born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Alrighty, what book are we in? What book are we studying? The book of Hebrews. Anybody got a question before we start? You got a question or anything that you want to ask me? No questions? Everybody knows everything. This is one smart church. I first came here, I'd open up for questions and I could never get through with all of them. Now everybody's done learned everything and there's nothing else anybody needs to know. So, anyway, we're going to teach the Bible anyway. So we're going to renew your mind. Renew your mind. Hebrews chapter 2. The book of Hebrews and chapter 2. It's a, uh, an interesting book. It's got a lot of hard stuff in the book. And that's because they're coming out of Judaism into Christianity. And the crossover is uh, taking some of them by storm, trying to understand, uh, well, what do we do about the temple? What about all the sacrifices? Do we go back? <laughs> and so Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now, in chapter 2, chapter 2, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Now, that's an interesting statement. It opens up with a lot of uh, things unsaid. What do you mean by this? Remember, when you start off in the book of Hebrews, it says that in the very first verse, God who had sundry time and in diverse manners spoken to the prophet in time past by the prophets. And then he says in verse 2, hath in these last days spoken unto by his son. So there's a division. And there's also a division mentioned right here in chapter 2. And the division is what was said back then and what is being said now. What the prophets said and what Christ is saying. And you have in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, uh, but seeing we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. There's all these Old Testament saints in chapter 11. And these, I believe, are this cloud of witnesses. And they give testimony of what God says to do and they did it. But there's also something else in there. As you read the Old Testament, and in the book of Romans in chapter 15, it says we are con- we're, we're to learn those things uh, that they had to go through so that we can learn from what they experienced 
And we're supposed to be wiser because those are stories in the Old Testament of people who obeyed the Lord and people who disobeyed the Lord. So those who obeyed the Lord, chapter 11, there's a faithful witness and testimony of those who succeeded in what God was able to do by those who were obedient. But he also warns that when you study the Old Testament, you see how God blessed those who were obedient and chastened those that were disobedient. And so he's telling you that if God did that to them in the Old Testament, and as he makes a statement here, see there in verse 2, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and every disobedience received a just recompense of reward. See, there's two kinds of rewards. You can do good and get rewarded, and you can do bad and get rewarded. You earn both. When you're obedient to the Lord, God can bless your life and reward you because you did good. But also, when you do bad, when you're disobedient, then you earn the chastening hand of God. You deserve that, you deserve that. And what you deserve, good, bad, or indifferent, is a result of how you live. So salvation is always what? Free. Has nothing to do with what you deserve. We're going to heaven because of what Christ did. Now we're talking about what we do. So as he refers to the Old Testament, he says, they got their just desserts. They got their reward for their disobedience. And if God would not tolerate sin in the Old Testament, why do we think God will tolerate sin in the New Testament? He won't. That's why he says here, how shall we escape the what? The chastening hand of God. So God is going to chasten his children for their disobedience, for their rebellion. So he says, you're saved by grace. Now, you don't need to make sacrifices anymore because there is no more need for sacrifices. And that's why he made the statement in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 26, if we sin willfully after we have received. Well, see, there is no more sacrifice, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment from our father who's going to chasten us. So can you live as you please? Yes. I've had so many people get bent out of shape because that I make that statement. You mean you can just live as you please? Are you married? Yes. You got children? Yes. Can they live as they please? What? You mean they can't live as they please? You mean they can't choose to obey or disobey or can they? They got choices. They may. Well, isn't that what you're doing? You're doing what you please. Well, what's wrong with saying you, you can trust Christ as Savior and live like you please? Because they always assume that means that you're going to just live like the devil. That's an assumption. Well, I believe this. But I haven't tried to live like the devil because I chose to please the Lord. Living like you please. Well, what if I want to please the Lord? What if I go to church because I want to please God? What if I read my Bible because I want to please God? You see, isn't it possible that a child of God can be obedient and disobedient? If he can be disobedient and he can be obedient, then he can do what he pleases. But there's consequences to those choices. I would rather have God's blessings on me and rewards when I get to heaven the good kind of rewards, than to rebel against the Lord and have the wrong kind of rewards because there is a payment. Now, look what he says here in verse 2. 
We ought to give a more earnest heed to what we have is so important. The opportunity, the privilege to serve the Lord this side of eternity. What if we let this opportunity slip by us? Wouldn't that be a shame? You see, you don't get a rerun. You don't get an instant replay in life. You get one trip through and you don't want to mess it up. So he's warning these Hebrew Christians about what you have in Christ now. It's so much better than what they had in the law. And so chapter 1 talks about how much better it was for Christ than over the angels. Now look at what he says. In verse 2, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, this is referring to to the prophets in the Old Testament, there in chapter 1 and verse 2, then and every transgression, the word every, you ought to underline it. In other words, it looks like they didn't get away with anything. Nobody ever does. Some people think they can just do whatever they want to do and get away with it. No, you can't. There's a heavenly father. Somewhere, every disobedience carries with it a very severe chastening. In other words, it's going to cost you more than you think. You just haven't seen the end result to see what your disobedience is costing you. And uh, Peter's got a great statement on his wall back there about that. But I don't remember what it is, Peter. You remember? But the sin, uh, the value of it, people just don't get the, the consequence of it. It's a good statement. I just can't remember it. But anyway, here, he says, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, every transgression, get this, and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. In other words, what you got in rebellion was just and a lot of people are living their lives, and if they don't serve the Lord, the consequences in their life is going to be just. They deserve that. If you go through life and you're miserable, good. That's just. Why? Because you're not trusting the Lord. So if you don't trust the Lord and have the peace of God, okay, that if you don't trust the Lord, you're going to be miserable, filled with fear, and fear has torment, and so you get it to yourself. So that's good. Isn't you, aren't you glad God is just? God is just. That's how I know that if I serve God, God must bless me. Why? Because you promised. I know that if I'm disobedient to the Lord, <laughs> he's going to beat the tar out of me. Now, you, what do you think I want? I remember that statement you made. This is what he says. Christians can never sin cheaply. They pay a heavy price for iniquity. Transgression destroys peace of mind. Obscures fellowship with Jesus, hinders prayer, brings darkness over the soul. Therefore, be not the serf and bondman of sin, because you cannot sin cheaply. Every rebellion has a great price to pay. And you just don't know when you're going to have to pay that price. Isn't that something to live in fear like that? <laughs> you know God's going to whoop you, and you don't know when, and you don't know how. And the guilt, it robs you of peace and joy and stability. It just causes you, it, you did it to yourself because God is just. This is what you need to learn from these scriptures. The word of God tells us in advance to beware. And so as you go through Hebrews, he talks about beware of this, beware, beware, lest you slip in your unbelief. So it's a great book and covers a lot of wonderful things. Now look what he says here. 
in verse 3. How shall we, and you notice this is talking to believers. Up there in verse 1 it says, therefore we ought. The last part of verse 1 is we should. And then here in verse 3, and how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How are we going to let this great, I mean, if we let what we have, which is so great and so wonderful, if we let it slip out of our hand, this responsibility that God's given to us to live for the Lord this side of the grave, how are we going to escape the chastening hand of God? You're not going to escape it. Now hold your place right here and just jump over there to Hebrews in chapter 10. Hebrews in chapter 10. Sometime I wish I could teach everything on a Sunday morning doing church service. But it just don't work that way. Otherwise, by Sunday morning, church service would be about three or four hours long every service. And that way we don't have to come on Wednesday night, Sunday night, or Sunday school. We just do it all at one time in one big message. Wouldn't that, you know, there's an idea about this. Well, anyway, we'll move right along. In Hebrews in chapter 10, I want you to see this. Because of what Christ has done for us, and because we have been sanctified, being made pure and holy, and we belong to the Lord. And all of these things being true, it says in verse 22, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, let us, as the believers, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Then notice what he says in verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering because it's based upon the faithfulness of God's promise. See that in verse 23? Verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Are we supposed to provoke one another? (laughs) Not to anger, not to bitterness, not to meanness, but to provoke one another unto love and good works. This is for those who have trusted Christ as Savior. Uh, This is what God wants us to do because we have so much more that's better to live for. Look what else he says in verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now the day approaching is right there in the same chapter, well chapter 9, when he talks about he's coming again. He's coming. He's coming. But he's not coming back to make another payment for sin, but he is coming back. So that day is going to happen. And the closer we believe that he's getting the more godly we ought to be. We ought to serve the Lord with all our heart. Then notice what he says in verse 26. For if we, so we were talking about, and in context, verse 19, having therefore brethren, this is believers. We, 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 all the way down through there, that's believers. So we get to verse 26. For if we, believers, sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth. He just said about drawing near, holding fast, and considering one another, and provoking one another to love, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. But if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, look what he says. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. In other words, he's not coming back to make another sacrifice for sin. And you don't have to go back to the temple and make an offering for sin. See, these are Jewish believers, 
And they were trying to get them drawn back into Judaism, back into the keeping of the law and so forth. Well, the temple was there. Now they were going to church. They went to the synagogue, yes, to preach the gospel. But Christ has established the church. Now look what else he says. In verse 27, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Now, notice the next verse because it gets right back into what we just read in chapter 2. That in the Old Testament, remember he said he has spoken unto them by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by the Son. And if they were chastened, and as you read the stories in the Old Testament, it's to give you and I an idea of what the consequences were of those who obeyed and those who didn't obey. And how that God is just. And God can reward whether you serve him or you don't serve him. But you're going to get what the Bible calls you reap what you sow. So now he's going back under the law and saying, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Without mercy. See, when you're talking about living your life and you live in rebellion to the Lord and uh, there's going to be judgment. And uh, most times, uh, yes, God can be a God of mercy and you're not getting what you deserve. But most people, they harden themselves. Mercy for people who want mercy. There's some people who don't want mercy. They're not having any desire to stop anything, change anything. They're in rebellion to the Lord and God can just he can take him out if he wants to. He can beat the tar out of you if he wants to. But this is what he's talking about. And he says here in verse 29, How much sore punishment suppose you shall he be thought worthy? In other words, this is your reward, what you deserve. Who have trodden underfoot the Son of God and have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified. Now when you read chapter 10, he says he has sanctified. That's everybody who trusts Christ as Savior. You have been sanctified. I mean, you've been made pure and holy. And it never has to be done again. That's Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10, 12, and 14. But now look at this verse. Count it an unholy thing and have done despite, despising God, despising his word, despising the value of their life and rebelling against God. And verse 30 for we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense. I will recompense. This is what he's talking about in chapter 2. And because of the, what we have in Christ, how much more should we serve the Lord? Because of God's wonderful grace that he saves us by grace. But then he's given us liberty to serve. Liberty to serve is the, some people don't get this, is a sign of free will. Free will is the liberty you have to make decisions. Therefore, he says, do not abuse this liberty of yours. Now, get what else he says here. In this same verse 30, he says, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge. You ought to underline those three words. Judge his people. So is God going to do right by you? One way or the other. He can get glory out of your life. And he can also get glory out of your death. You can make the decision which way it's going to be. And now, as you go down through here, you'll find out there's a lot of things. This is why he says, and just look at this. 
Because this is so good, he goes with chapter 2. You'll understand chapter 2 better when you understand this. Look what he says there in verse 31. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You say, well, I don't think God's going to be that hard on you. Because after all, he says there, you know, a certain fiery indignation and judgment and blah, blah, blah. Okay, just, just, just hold your place right there in chapter 10. Look there in chapter 12. Chapter 12. And look what he says in verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he does what? Chasten it. Now, chasten can carry with it the idea of instructing, uh, teaching, admonishing in a very kind way, fatherly way. But notice the next word, scourging. Now, that's a little bit more severe. God can take you out of here. And he says there, and whenever they're talking about, you know, the Lord's Supper, he says, and for this cause, many are sick, some are weak, some are, what's the next word? Dead. Sleep. So can God chasten his children? You can count on it. Because if he doesn't chasten you and you're rebellious to the Lord, it's still going to cost you the blessings that you could have had. It's also automatic. It costing you reward because that's time you lost. But look what he says here in this verse. He makes a statement there in verse 7. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom his father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you, hmm, isn't that strong? You're bastards and not sons. That means you're not his child. God will chasten every one of his child. Now, you can't tell if a person is a child of God because of what they're going through. You don't know if it's because God's chastening them or they got inward sins that you don't know anything about. You don't know if it's just becomes a trial and a testing in the life of a godly person. So here's a person that can be living a godly life, and there's a person that's living a wicked life. And the same thing happened to both. The one who's doing right, it becomes a testing to refine him even better. The other one, it looks like exactly the same, and the other one, God's chastening him. But he knows because he's not right with the Lord. When you try to say, no, he's saved because I can say he's going through this. And he's lost because you can't. The new birth is a spiritual birth. You can't see the Holy Spirit. You can't see a spiritual birth. But anyway, this whole book covers so much of the Christian life and how we're supposed to look at it. Um, The other part that I wanted you to see is look there in verse 33 of chapter 10. Chapter 33 of chapter 10, verse 33. Get it right. That's the first mistake I made this morning. In verse 33, well, let's just look there in verse 32. But call to, see that word remembrance? Remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, when you saw the truth. This goes back to chapter 6 whenever it said you saw the light, you understood, you trusted Christ as Savior. He says, ye endured a great fight of affliction. In other words, you saw the light, illuminated. And you waged a great battle. See, sometimes it's not how you start fighting or running the race. Do you have enough faith to finish the race? You say, what is faith? Well, faith is like the gasoline you put in the car. 
If you have a car, but you don't have any gasoline, how far are you going? Here you've got a life to live, but faith is, is that power that you put into the car so you can run on it. You can run on faith. But after a while, see, if you run out of faith, you run out of what? Car ain't going to go nowhere. So as you live your Christian life, you have to keep believing and keep trusting the Lord. And keep putting faith in your gas tank. See, I had enough faith to go to Bible college. I had enough faith to go to Colorado and then enough faith to go to Georgia. Now I'm in here. And I'm going to stay here until I run out of faith. And believe that God maybe got something else. I don't know when and where. Just keep believing God and trusting the Lord. And keep studying the word of God so that you increase in your faith. So that you can keep going further and further and further. I hope that makes sense to you. Now, but look what he says in verse 33. Partly while ye were made a gazing stock by reproaches and afflictions. And partly while you became companions of them that were so used. In other words... Paul says, I was with you. I believe this is Paul. <laughs> I can't prove that. That's Yankeeology. But he says, you are greatly influenced by your companions, the people you hang around. You get to the place where you don't think, I don't need church. You're saying to God, I don't need the influence of godly people in my life. I don't need to come to church and I don't need to study the Bible. I'm good enough on my own. Now, is that P-R-I-D-E or not? Now, every service you miss, every time, even on your own, that you don't look to the Lord, you don't pray to the Lord, you don't read God's word, is it costing you anything? There is, there's something you're missing that would have made the difference in your life. It could have been the wisdom that you need to make a decision two weeks down the road, or four weeks down the road. See, God can give you what you need in advance. But if you don't, you'll have the problem, and then you don't have the solution, and then you become frantic in trying to find an answer, and lo and behold, <laughs> it can drive you up a wall. You go nuts. Have you ever looking for something, and you just go all over the Bible trying to find just that verse that will give you the answer? And God says, I, I had it ready for you two weeks ago, but you hadn't studied the Bible. If you had, I would have showed it to you. But anyway, every sin cost. He says here, for ye had compassion of me and my bonds, took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. And here's why. Knowing in yourselves, you knew this, that ye have in heaven. So are we talking to believers or not? The lost man ain't going to be there. Got to be talking about believers. You did this because you knew that in heaven you have a better and enduring substance. The word of God here in the book of Hebrews is better, better. How that Jesus is better than the angels. The sacrifice he made is better than all the bulls and the goats and things that they had. The salvation that we have is so much better because it's perfect. It's perfect. It saves you for how long? Forever. That has to be perfect. Only thing that can last forever has to be perfect. Now get this. In verse 35, this goes all the way back. Don't let this slip. Don't cast your confidence away. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of what? You remember those words over there, the recompense of reward in chapter 2? This is what he's talking about. 
You see, whenever you obey the Lord, God is going to reward you. So your rewards is because of your work. And your work is because of your confidence. And your confidence is a result of your faith. And your faith is a result of your studying the word and believing God. You see how it all feeds together. So if this is true then I'd want to know more and more about the Word of God so I can increase my faith, so I can increase my confidence, so I can increase my work, so that I can increase my reward. Doesn't it all go together? It looks like it, doesn't it? And this is what he's talking about. That's why he says, don't cast away this. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.